seriously popular. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In today's episode... Are Liverpool yesterday's men? Is Harry Kane to buy Munich really a coup? And why fantasy football is for bedwetters? I'm Ian Ladyman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. Chris, we have a new British transfer record in the offing. Chelsea have agreed to pay Brighton £115 million for their midfielder, Moises Casado. How can he possibly be worth that? Football has gone crazy, hasn't it, really? That's a, that's a lot of money for a player uh, in that position. I suppose time will tell in terms of if in the next few seasons Chelsea win the Champions League and win the Premier League, then you say he is worth the money, but I'm not so sure he is. Why has he chosen Chelsea over Liverpool, do you think? I don't know. I don't get it. It must be uh, because of the manager, Pochettino. I actually think that Liverpool, um, you know, you look at where they are at this moment in time, you compare them to Chelsea and their performances last season. I think Liverpool are closer to winning the title than, uh, than Chelsea are. But Chelsea obviously think this will be a transformative signing for them, I suppose, because they have the they have the a deep squad, and Pochettino obviously thinks this is the type of transfer that will take them above Liverpool. Can that happen? Um, it can happen uh, if you can sort of uh, understand the Chelsea transfer recruitment policy uh, since Todd Bowley uh, has been in then you're a better man than me Uh, but Pochettino has come in and he's trying to make his mark and bring players in who he actually wants Casado he thinks will take Chelsea to the next level the transformation of that Chelsea squad from last season to this has been absolutely extraordinary I was at the game at Stamford Bridge against Liverpool and looked down the team sheet in the squad list and you are seeing names that you that you recognise because you follow it but you don't know that much about them if you're a Chelsea fan it must be absolutely bamboozling now this transfer of Casado to Chelsea blows absolute puts an absolute bomb under Liverpool's season does it not they wanted him he would have played for them Mm. every week that is what they need in the absence of Fabinho and Henderson, they are starting to look a little bit like yesterday's men in the transfer market, are they not? Do you think, um, do you know what, I, I don't actually uh, agree with that. The fact that they haven't got uh, Casado over the line, you know, I can understand uh, what you're saying with that, but they did get McAllister over the line. Schauber's lie on the face of it seems uh, a good signing, or a little bit of him at uh, Leipzig, you know, a, a prominent player for uh, for. Hungary, it's just a choice thing from Casado. What we do know is Liverpool have an issue in that defensive 
midfield position and it's something I'm sure that Klopp will address. That issue looked pretty large at Stamford Bridge, I have to say. Chelsea got onto Liverpool's back four far too often and that weakness in Liverpool still exists. Um, yes, I'm, I'm certainly not going to argue uh, with that. But, you know, in terms of the way managers deal with this situation, Casado would have been top of the pile for Klopp. And then, you know, he'll be going down that list. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is they will they will fill that gap, but not with the priority. They wanted Bellingham. They walked away from that one. They wanted Casado. They haven't got that one. But it happens all the time, doesn't it? I would be worried if I was Jurgen Klopp. Now... Castedo himself um, is a fascinating character, 21 years old. He was 19 when Brighton bought him two years ago for £4 million. That's an extraordinary mm. piece of work from Brighton. But how do you think it will be for him? And I ask you that question because you were a British record transfer yourself back in 1994 Long time ago. when you went from Norwich to Blackburn for £5 million, which sounds like... What are you laughing at? Sounds like, because it sounds like peanuts now. I'm laughing yeah. because it sounds like peanuts. How does it feel and how did it feel? I mean, in today's market, I know this because I was told this by Kieran Maguire, Just a financial of, oh, expert that would be over more than £100 million in football inflation. How did it feel? Right. Well, I went from playing at a club like Norwich City, similar uh, size club, I think, to, to uh, Casado and, and, you know, his move from Brighton where there was no pressure to to big pressure because of the side of, size of the fee. I went from little expectation to great expectation. When I was at, uh, at Norwich, I think people would look at me and focus on what I could do. When I, as, before I'd actually kicked a ball at Blackburn Rovers, people would focus on what I couldn't do. And that was, that was the biggest difference and uh, something which, you know, I became well aware of. And then I suspect in the early days, I didn't deal with it too well because I couldn't understand why the, uh, why the focus and mindset had changed just because of the money. But, you know, that's the nature of the game. When people pay big bucks for you, they expect a return. When we actually played a pre-season friendly... Uh, my first game for Blackburn was in Norway against a team called Steinke. I didn't score. And one of the headlines in the newspapers was Sutton had a Steinke. That was a bit harsh. Oh, I knew. I knew eventually at the end of that long story that you would, that the, I didn't the like real it, source of the bitterness would emerge. It's my fault. <laughs> that was, your, that, was, your, that was yeah. your lot's fault. Yeah. Right. But I, I've got to say, I didn't like it. I, you know, I really didn't like it at the time when, you know, I used to buy all the papers when I was at Norwich, loved to see my name on the back pages. And then when I went to Blackburn, you know, nobody liked a, a negative press, but I thought that, you know, I, I, I couldn't understand why I was sort of getting the flag. Um, but then, you know, you have to deal with it. And that's, that's going to be the biggest test, I think, for Casado, his mental strength, you know, because people will, will naturally compare him to the great midfielders of the Premier League era. You, you know, your Keynes people will, will scrutinise his game. You know, does he have a great range of passing? What do we know? Casado is a good footballer, a very good footballer. But now he goes to Chelsea for this sort of money. He has to become a great Football, you mentioned uh, Roy Keane in passing there. I mean, your mate, yeah. My, yeah. Can we even Did you see him at the weekend? Uh, possibly. Can we, from a distance? He was walking. I was running. Can we uh, away? Can we um, even begin to think about how much a player like Keane would have been worth in today's market? Say when he went from Nottingham Forest to Manchester United. If Casado at mm. twenty-one is going for hundred and fifty million pounds, what we're we talking Roy Keane value? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you haven't answered the question. Double, he'd be double that, wouldn't he? he? Would, you'd certainly say he'd be double that cause, uh, because you're scared of him. Um, I think Roy Keane, uh, he, he was still a, you know, a, well, a very young player when he went to Manchester United. He was more of the finished article than Casado is. Absolutely. I mean, £115 million essentially for a development player. Do you think he is the type of character, have you seen enough of him in his play or heard him say enough things to make you think that he will cope? Um, I admire the way he plays. I think, you know, he, he's fought, he, or he was fortunate to play under De Zerbe at, at Brighton, who was a fearless coach. You know, I think that's a, that's a big plus. But, um, you know, he has to go up a level at, uh, at Chelsea, has to win trophies. For uh, for this transfer to be deemed successful at Brighton, Brighton don't have to win anything. You know, people just admire the way that they play football. But Chelsea is about winning trophies. We know that. Do you think this signing is part of a great hitherto unseen Chelsea? Stra- transfer strategy or is Todd Bowley just bought the shiniest toy in the toy yeah. shop once again uh, it's a scattergun approach you know ho- hoping hoping uh, that you know one of these transfers comes off big time I, I, I suppose people could compare it to Blackburn back in the day in terms of Jack Walker was and Kenny Douglas were hoovering up all the best young talent but there, there did seem to be more of a method in their approach to Chelsea who just you know buy anybody who's any good I like to see it as the, the way I view it when I go to the golf driving range and practice and if I get my drive round take kind of a hundred pretty wild and hopeless swings at the ball one of them some, somehow eventually will go straight <laughs> straight down the middle yeah. maybe maybe yeah. Casado is going to be Todd Bowley's you know 250 yard shot Never, but but it's all that, look. The bottom line is you, you spend big, like Chelsea have spent big. Todd Bowley will want to return, and you know the pressure's on Casado now. Very quickly, Liverpool are, are, are a bit grumpy about this. They think they've been played by Casado because they they were the impression that he was going to going to come to them. Did you ever, did you ever do that? Did you ever tell a club that you were going to join them and then didn't? No. Arsenal thought. What, what are you getting at? Arsenal there? thought they were going to sign you from Norwich when you went to Blackburn for that enormous figure of five million pounds. That, that's because they they agreed the same fee. Right. I mean, you know, th- these things happen all the time. But I didn't give George Graham my word I would go to Arsenal. What have you heard? What are you saying? You have to be selfish in that situation, do you not? You have to do what's right for you and your family. And I suppose if another club or another set of supporters, You're right. <clears throat> I'm choking. Are you getting um, emotional? It's just that talking to you about your career always, always <laughs> makes me well up. Always makes me well up. I can't help it. It will probably happen again. You're not that. the only one. Um, you have to do what's right for you, even if another football club and another set of supporters gets hurt along the way. Is that right? Yeah. Look, I, I suppose the uh, the sort of confusion about uh, Casado going to Chelsea over Liverpool is because the way Chelsea or the season they had last season and many would uh, view Liverpool as a better option to uh, you know for Liverpool to have a better season than Chelsea I understand that in terms of you know my thought process Blackburn were the team uh, pushing Manchester United at the top of the table back in 90 uh, you know mm. the early 93-94 they were the team on the up that's why I went to Blackburn and we won the Premier League the next season you make your own mind up whether it was because of me we won the Premier League. I have, I have made my mind up on that already. Uh, now, it wasn't a brilliant weekend for Liverpool. They lost their main transfer target. They lost a lead at Chelsea, drew one all, um, and also saw Mo Salah have what you might describe as a little bit of a temper, tra- temper tantrum 
on the way off the field, having been substituted, not easy for me to say. Um, What is your take on that? Didn't like it. I thought that, uh, that he undermined the manager in that moment. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, if every player acted in that petulant way, then, uh, you know, then Liverpool are in big trouble. He, he, he can't do that. And, you know, he must realise that. Klopp actually, I heard him talk about it after the game. I don't think he necessarily dealt with the situation. You know, I think he should have condemned Salah for doing that. He didn't because we know why. Salah's the, their best player. Everyone in that press room was waiting and praying that that Klopp would criticise Salah because that is what makes Backpage headlines, etc. Um, but he, he'd be out of his mind to do that because all that does is give a story new life into the but next you, you day. Have to have He's sta- got to kill but it. You have to have standards at a, at a football club. So, you know, why is Mo Salah treated differently to every other Liverpool player? Privately, I'm sure Klopp will have a view. Publicly, there's absolutely no point in burying your best player on the first okay. weekend of a Premier League I, season. I get that, but then you, you know, you, you know, you can't argue against the fact that he undermined Klopp, and that's not that's not a good look for Klopp. If Mo Salah does it, then every other Liverpool player can do it. I was going, and, and will Klopp deal with that differently? Then very, very good, good question. If you're in that dressing room and you are a younger player, a less experienced player, a new player, someone like Alexis McAllister, and you see that happening, you see Salah behave like that, what does that make you think? Um, it makes you think that, you know, you can possibly do the same thing. I'll give you an example of that. So uh, so last season, uh, Eric Ten Hag left Marcus Rashford on the bench yep. for, uh, for being late for a team mm-hmm. meeting. I think that was that was the right thing to do. There's the line. Players know where the line is. And I just think that from uh, from uh, Klopp's point of view, the fact that uh, that Mo Salah undermined him that's that's not a good look. You you know your leader has to have strength, and uh, and Klopp looked like he didn't have strength. He should have dealt with it. I'm surprised Klopp didn't deal with it after. Did you ever do it? No, never. I don't not not in that manner. Because he must have been substituted a lot. Uh, I, I, I can tell you there would. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> it was a bit slow, a bit slow to hear that one, weren't you? <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. Maybe. So many. Um, so, so I, I would be like any other player, and I, I would have been like Mo Salah uh, yesterday. That in in my head, I'd have been saying all sorts of things to the manager, but then you know I would have realised the effect my actions would have had. And however frustrated uh, a player is, they cannot act in that way. And with that in mind, who were the great sulkers and moaners of, of your career that you that you played with? Well, Shearer could moan, moan about a lot of things. Really? Uh, especially if the ball wasn't passed him or uh, crossed in early enough. Right. Uh, Neil Lennon, though, he, um, he, he used to moan it himself in fairness, but used to moan it uh, at everybody else, sort of a blame culture, I think. Right. Blame everybody else other than yourself. That's a good... And did, and did that spread at Celtic did that uh, you know did that because Lennon you know no. we, we all love Neil he's a great character and was a very very good footballer yeah um can have a bit of a temper on him so a d- bit? <laughs> well I've never pl- I haven't played with him does, does but can that infect a dressing room that if you have one character infect. who is yeah in fact yeah can it spread uh no I, I, I just think it's uh you know it's an individual thing isn't it everybody has their own different traits I mean Neil Lennon used to pass the ball around my neck at times and then shout get hold of it and event- <laughs> eventually the third time I'd sort of tell him what I thought because it takes so it takes three goes to get you going does it I probably need to know that <laughs> I was I was mild-mannered to a point three yeah. digs to the ribs yeah, to yeah, get yeah. you going Right, okay. Well, the, on a wider point with Salah, I do think that, that his 
if there is any frustration in Salah's mind going into this season, Liverpool really need to have a good one because he's all, he already knows he's not playing in the Champions League mm-hmm. this season. If if this if this campaign goes that same way, I do wonder how Salah will be in his head. So you're saying he's off this season if if Liverpool what don't get in a Champions League spot or they they don't challenge for the Premier League? You think he's off? I'm saying that they I would imagine feel quite happy and fortunate to still have him this season and I would imagine without a doubt that there will be clubs in his ear Saudi Arabia how old, how old is Saudi, Saudi Arabia will be in his ear other clubs He's in Spain will Come be in it yeah, I'm just saying I'm just saying I think that, that that's one to watch that is, that is one to watch now there has been another record transfer over the weekend and that was a record Bundesliga transfer Harry Kane has gone to Bayern Munich for £100 million pounds. I don't think that's the right move for him. Okay, why? Because I think had he stayed at Tottenham for one more year, run down his contract, he would then have had the choice of pretty much any club in Europe to go to. He has gone to a fantastic football club, an enormous football club, Great history. You just said it wasn't Great the right move. He's, got, he's now gone to a fantastic club. I think there were better moves available. Go I on. think he will win the Bundesliga there because well, they. Uh, w- hang on a minute. There are better moves available. Just, Go on. The, tell me. There will be next next summer. That's okay, what I'm saying. How old is Harry Kane? Just, can, just, can, well, can Harry well, Kane he wait? A, well, he signed a long contract at, at Bayern, so they obviously think that he's got four years left in him, and I certainly think he has. Uh, at, at least he hasn't had any great serious injuries in his in his career. He doesn't rely enormously on lightning pace. I think he'll play quite comfortably till he's thirty-five. Can uh, Bayern Munich win the Champions League? No. So they got absolutely so, so, annihilated. So who, by, so who can win the Champions they got League? An, they got annihilated by Manchester City last season. League? That's not what we're here to talk about. No, hang on a minute. You just we'll said talk, we'll, no, no. Hang on. You, do, you started this by saying Harry Kane has basically made the wrong move to Bayern Munich. I so, start this by saying there could there could be better moves for him. I like don't what? think he's like the ones I've just out, out, outlined. Like, like who? Summer. Just give, give me names. I've already said it. You're not listening. Manchester City. Hang on a minute. He could Manchester have got, City. He, uh, his, big, his biggest regret will be the fact that he didn't get that move over the line to Manchester City Correct. before. That's that's his biggest regret. I mean, a regret. But he it's a situation where he would have been a, uh, his mindset would have been we are where we are. The Manchester City thing. Uh, is in the past. That's done. I want to win trophies. I want to go to a big club. So he's gone to Bayern Munich to win trophies. I'm shocked that Manchester United didn't make a really big play for him. There's no re- point. Um, but no point, okay. Chris. Well, well, there may have been no point. But you, no point. you know, you can't argue the fact that Harry Kane wants to win trophies and he's, he's going to win trophies at Bayern Munich. He'll, and if that if if that's the way he feels, I don't. Bayern Munich are a big club. He'll, he'll win the he'll win the Bundesliga in a, in a one team league. That's what that's that, that's what they have won it for the last ten, yeah, eleven, Premier twelve League's years a one team or, league. or something. Premier League is a one team league. So the Germans are, are kind of uh, German press are portraying this as a bit of a coup for the Bundesliga. Um, Rob, well, Draper, Rob, Rob Draper in the, in the Mail on Sunday suggested that it was a, a coup for the Bundesliga. I don't think it is. Kane has, Kane has gone there because it was the offer. The only, it, was the, it was one of two alternatives for Harry Kane. Because how, Levy, is that, how is that not a coup for the Bundesliga? Because is, I don't, is it a coup because Harry Kane is the England captain and he's gone to play in the Bundesliga? Because, so that's, that's because a big deal. I don't think for one minute that had the other big English clubs been on the table. Bayern Munich would have been his choice. Harry Still has said. Argument. Harry has said in his press conference in Germany that um, he's always wanted to play in uh, a different league and experience a different culture. Fair play to him. He said he's going to have German lessons twice a week. I love that. I really, I really love that. But I still think that 
if that was really his mindset, why was he prepared to go to Manchester City two years ago? That, then that wasn't a different culture and a and a different a different environment. Or you could argue from London, London to Manchester uh, might be in some <laughs> might, in some people's minds, but 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 it's, cir- it's not. circumstances change, right? Circumstances so, do change, and you know, I said his biggest regret would have been not going to uh, to Manchester City. I think you know when his career finishes. I think that that'll be a, a really sore one. I mean, by all accounts, his brother's his agent didn't get that over the line. Wouldn't be wanting to sit around the, the table at Christmas. I uh, watched that the, years to come. I watched the last half an hour of the uh, of his debut. He came on off the bench um, when Bayern lost to Leipzig in the German Super Cup, which, from what I can see, is the German equivalent of the Charity Shield. So we can just disregard that as an as a non-event. Um, but the two interesting things happened um, as soon as he came on. Uh, Leipzig got, won a penalty um, and Harry obviously th- it subconsciously thought I've got to be seen to be kind of you know one of the one of the lads here straight over to the referee to complain <laughs> and then got there and realised that he couldn't complain because he can't speak German so he kind of stood there as two teammates came over to do, it, just said nine. To, to do it to do his moaning for him but in, equally interesting at the end of the game as soon as the whistle went the Leipzig player who was next to him um uh, immediately asked him for shirt. Immediately asked him for shirt. So that just shows the stature of Harry Kane and what his arrival in Germany will do for the Bundesliga. It's a, because it's a big coup for the Bundesliga. That's what you think. Um, anyway, um, without doubt, the best performance of the weekend in the Premier League was Newcastle's annihilation of Aston Villa at St James's Park. Our northeast football correspondent Craig Hope was there. Craig, you uh, did your own social media post uh, afterwards, uh, a little video in which you said that Villa had actually played quite well uh, in parts, but these days it's no longer good enough just to be good against Newcastle. You've got to be better than good to beat them. Yeah, morning, guys. Honestly, after after an hour of this game, all three results were still in play. Villa were good, but good isn't good enough against Newcastle now. And what we saw during the final half hour was a team who were, who were just fitter, stronger, better organised, and with better quality off the bench. And they just simply blew them away during the final half hour. It really was sensational. And I, I read a lot and listened to a lot. And people said, you know, Newcastle have picked up where they left off at the back end of last season. I'm sorry, they haven't picked up where they, they left off. They've come back even better. And I've always said this, if you want to be exposed to to any manager for a prolonged period of time to make you a, a better footballer, tactically, technically, physically, it is Eddie Howe. And yeah, here's a warning, guys. Newcastle have come back bigger and better than last year. I have to say, it's great to hear Geordie's uh, sounding excited because Geordie's have sounded anything but excited for the last 20 years or something it's terrific to hear it's terrific to hear it terrific to watch them play that was something why can't you just be happy for them do I not look happy me do you, do you know me you spent I'm any, get, I'm getting you spent any you, time yeah. in my company so Craig has he knows um, Craig uh, no, it, is, it is terrific to see, to see that place alive and jumping I must admit in the second half I thought there was shades of Kevin Keegan's entertainers about some of that football however and there's always a however what I will say is that um, you say you've got to be better than good to beat them. Liverpool beat them twice last season. Um, a quite average Man United side beat them in the uh, Calibre Cup final. What's changed? Well, we don't know yet. Listen, it's one game. Let's not jump to conclusions. And like I said, for, for an hour, Aston Villa, Aston Villa did OK. But as you touched on there, that's the challenge, Lado. You know, under Eddie Howe, Newcastle have only lost to three teams at St James's Park. That is... 
Manchester City, Liverpool and Arsenal. So, you know, that tells you where the weakness lies. And in bringing in a player like, like Sandro Tonali, you know, they've got Alexander Rizak now played his first full season as well. You've got those difference makers, those real elite European players. And that, that's what you need to beat Liverpool, to beat Manchester City, to take yourself from fourth to third to, to second to first. It's early days, it's one game, but it was certainly an impressive start. Craig, though, you, I mean, you, you've said it's one game. Are, are you getting a little bit carried away with this? I know Newcastle were fantastic um, last season. What's the expectation then this season? And is expectation at Newcastle dangerous now based on this one result? Are we better? They've got quite a, uh, I think they've got Manchester City. They've got some, you know, really interesting games coming up. Should we wait to the fifth or sixth game before we really judge this Eddie Howe team? Well, we should. Yeah, I think we should with every team, to be honest. Uh, but in terms of expectation, now, if you read the Daily Mail, uh, Mail Sport last week, we had all of our predictions. Us guys were in there. Not one of us had Newcastle in the top four. Uh, Eddie was then asked on Friday about predictions of the likes of Jamie Carragher, who I think had Newcastle eighth in the table. And you know what? He said, yes, we'll use that as motivation. But I can tell you now, Eddie Howe would have been delighted that none of us guys are tipping him for the top four because Newcastle's journey so far has been accelerated. And Eddie Howe's biggest danger almost is himself by raising that bar too quickly. And I spent a bit of time with the, the chief executive, Darren Eels, last week. And I asked the question, I said, you know, what will these Saudi owners be like during a dip? You know, we don't know. You know, could they be like Watford's owners? We really don't know because so far, under Eddie, from the word go, it's just been up and up and up and up. They haven't had that, 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 that even that flat line net really. So, uh, in, in a strange way, journalistically, for almost perversely, I'm interested to see what, what, what does happen during a, during a bad spell. But as I said at the top there, it's shown no signs of coming anytime soon, really. That's a, a really good question. And I'm glad that you put that to, to Darren Eels. My reason for not selecting Newcastle in the top four is very simple, and it's to do with squad depth. If you look at the number of uh, squad- And European football. That's that's kind of what I mean. If you look at last season, number of rotations that a team like Manchester City or Liverpool made to their first eleven throughout the season, it's kind of double the rotations that Eddie Howe made for Newcastle. Now this season, Newcastle have got Champions League football. They've added three, what, what appear to be three very good players over the summer. That squad doesn't look deep enough to me, Craig, to, to cope with it all. Why has the richest club in the world spent modestly this summer? Because that's all they can do. They're bound by FFP. You know, we wrote a story in May that the, the budget was around Eddie being told he could have £75 million to spend if they didn't sell. Now, the sale of Alan Sam Maximan has subsequently uh, unlocked that budget and they've gone close to about £95 million net with looking to bring in another loan signing. But you say the squad isn't deep enough later. I, I get what you're saying. There were sort of concerns I harboured going into the season. But then you look at the game on Saturday. They bring two players off the bench, Harvey Barnes and Callum Wilson, and they are, they are the reason they blew Villa away. You know, that, that, those two players took the game away from Villa. So there is more depth now. And, you know, Anthony Gordon has almost come back like the, the proverbially new sign. And he joined for £40 million in, in January. Had an awful second half of the season, if we're being honest. He comes back, looks fit, sharp, looks, you know, really good. You've then got other players, you know, Louis Miley's emerged, Elliot Anderson has emerged. So there are options there, more than we perhaps uh, give them credit for. Craig, you always have all the answers. That is why you are the best person to follow um, for everything you need to know about North East football. Thanks for being with us, mate, and we'll see you when Newcastle have lost 8-0 at Manchester City on Friday, <laughs> um, on Saturday. Um, now, one of the um, 
wonderful things about the opening weekend of the Premier League season to me was uh, Harvey Barnes's goal celebration when he scored that terrific Newcastle goal in the second How half. How did it go? Um, I'm not going to act it out, but I'm going go to describe on, it. It on. was a bit of a kind of Robin Hood, bow and arrow, kind of took the kind of quiver off the took the arrow out of his quiver, is that right? Um, and I'm not sure that is right. Anyway, <laughs> unleash the arrow into the crowd. And there was a chap uh, sitting on the third row uh, um, of, the, of the stand at Newcastle, generously proportioned gentleman, not wearing his shirt, who was so excited by the goal that he then proceeded to uh, mimic Barnes and fire his arrow straight back at him. I thought it was Aww. absolutely tremendous. Some people don't mm-hmm. like training ground celebrations, um, I absolutely love that one. Um, what is your? We're not going to ask you what your, the best celebration was that you ever did because they weren't that expressive. What's the best? What's the best one you've ever seen? Chira scored so many goals. His celebration, did you say boring? One arm, one yeah, arm, one arm. But I mean, tra- you know, trademark that. Yeah. Uh, I like Mick Shannon, the old windmill. Yeah. That was, yeah, I like that. Younger viewers might, and listeners yeah, might wonder okay. what no, on well, earth, well, how on earth could, you do could, could, Can we get Mick Shannon on YouTube? I'm sure we, we yeah. can find some decent Mick Shannon goals yeah. on, on, on no, YouTube. No, no, it's a celebration. We don't yeah. care about his goals. Sure yeah. I think my favourite was probably the Jürgen Klinsmann dive. Oh, yeah. Um, which is going back. That was on the first day of the Premier League. You think diving's well. okay then, do you? I thought that dive was absolutely magnificent. And I was very, very fortunate to interview um, Jurgen before the World Cup last November. It was on a it was on a Zoom call. He was uh, on he was in his kitchen in. I Cal- bet he was made up. He was in his kitchen. He, st- he still talks about it to this day. <laughs> <laughs> he was he's still playing by the way. He's playing uh, five side football every Thursday near his home in California. So he was in his kitchen in California. I was in my kitchen in um, Manchester. His kitchen, well, uh, yeah, his kitchen looks slightly nicer <laughs> than my kitchen. Anyway, he talked. He talked to me. Size isn't everything, Chris. He 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 talked to me about um, that celebration and the way it came about. It's a terrific story. So the Tottenham are away at uh, Sheffield Wednesday on the first game of the season. He's arrived in this kind of... You've got to remember, this was at a time when the Premier League was still mainly uh, the kind of... Uh, inhabited by British players. You know, there mm. weren't that many continental stars. Right, His yeah. signing was massive and he had a reputation for diving. And when the team bus pulled up outside Hillsborough, they're greeted by a load of Sheffield Wednesday fans holding up Card, bits of cardboard with 5.6, 5.7 diving scores <laughs> on it. So Teddy Sheringham says to him, says, says uh, Jürgen, you score a goal today, you dive. And Jürgen's like, I'm absolutely all over that. Scores the goal, dive, dives in the corner. Everybody goes crazy about it. Jürgen thinks that's the end of it. I'm not going to do it again. Teddy pulls him again. <laughs> In the, in the midweek in training, says, look, my son tells me that all his mates are doing your celebration in the playground, in the park, you've got to do it again. And then, of course, he scored, it was, I think it was a bicycle kick he scored mm. in, the, in his home debut and uh, does it again. So I just think, you know, more of that, more of that. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. More, you know, less of the handshaking and, uh, uh, and more of that. Now, very, very quickly, before we re- kind of approach the, the end of this, do you have a favourite moment for, from the weekend, by the way? Favourite moment uh, from the weekend would be uh, my FPL team got off to a good start. Fantasy. We're not talking about fantasy football. Do you not play fantasy? That's, that's a big deal. Chris. Well, say, why are you so Chris, anti-fantasy Chris, football? Chris, How old are you? Fantasy football. Fantasy football is for 12-year-old boys and girls <laughs> and for people who never leave the house. 
Now you're neither. Of, <laughs> now you're neither of <laughs> you, those. I tell you what. I've not I, I, done. You are. You are a brave little cave boy I, to I, get to come up with fantasy that. football. Is your life not busy enough? You've got twenty-four children, haven't you, or something? Is your life not big I've enough? Got, I've got. So I've got one of my sons actually sorts my team out. But I mean, come on, get up with the times. What is wrong with you? I've seen your fantasy football team. It's kind of the most obvious football. You're team not I a team have. player. That's your. Ever. That's your thing. Scene. So your, your your moment of the weekend was your FPL team getting off to. I tell you, I tell stop. you one uh, another moment of the weekend, which which I, I still don't know where I am with this was OAB Roy Hodgson. Oh, yeah. sort of lovers into everybody saying it's great enthusiasm pushing Max Lowe. What if Max Lowe would have turned around and shoved Roy over? What I loved about that was Roy's description afterwards that 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 the, that the lad had landed a left hook to his stomach. <laughs> Like no left hook I've ever seen. That, that's, for, that's for sure. Oh, I love but it, Roy. But it was a wonderful it, moment. But it, 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 it's not a wonderful moment. Oh, can, co- come on. I mean, he was uh, grinning afterwards about it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I love all that. But I mean, what if Max Lowe would have pushed him over? You'd be saying Max Lowe should be banned. For, you'd be writing a column, Max Lowe should be banned for nine months. But he didn't. He didn't, so I won't Yeah, but be. Roy pushed Max, that's okay. So it was all that's good. a great moment. All good, all good. I'm absolutely for it. <laughs> Keep on pushing, Roy, is what I say. Um, but, and that was a, a terrific performance by uh, Roy's Palace as, as well to win at uh, Sheffield United. They looked to be well worth what that. What was yours? I think my favourite, apart from Amanda Staveley uh, dancing in the director's box to Primal Scream at full time at St James's Park, um, looked a little bit uncomfortable, probably knew the cameras might be on her. Probably uh, Roy Keane and uh, Daniel Sturridge uh, cuddling off camera um, at at Stamford Bridge, um, yeah, after the Liverpool Chelsea game. Two kind of unlikely characters brought together by television. Um, And with um, Daniel Sturridge in mind, you might remember that on the previous show that we did before this one, there was an absolutely wonderful clip that we showed of the Swindon defender, whose name I just can't pronounce, sadly, so I'm not going to try, singing um, in the dressing room as an initiation ceremony um, after his first game. Well, after the Liverpool-Chelsea game, um, Sturridge was asked what his initiation would be, and this is what he provided. It's seven o'clock, gonna die, I'm in my drop top, cruising the street. You know the vibe. I mean, that's not a bad singing voice, that is it? Lovely voice. That's yeah. not a bad singing voice. Voice of an angel. Absolutely, absolutely. He's a very good player in his day, Daniel Sturridge, as well, I think. Shame that we didn't see more of him, perhaps. Anyway, I think that is it for you and I for this one. Thank you for being with us. To listen to this show, just go to wherever you normally get your podcast to watch. It's YouTube. And whilst you're there this Wednesday, you will also be able to find an exclusive interview that will be available to subscribers with the Burnley manager, Vincent Company. For all your breaking sports news, go to Mail Online. Please remember to download the Mail Plus app. And most importantly of all, make sure you're here with us too for the next version of this show. I'm Ian Ladyman. That chap there is Chris Sutton. It's all kicking off.